0: Okay, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. We're going to look at a very uh, familiar passage of Scripture, and that makes me a little bit nervous, because you first have to ask yourself, what interesting things can you come up with out of a text that most of the people in the congregation have memorized? Uh, Where's the wow factor, okay? Uh, Sometimes I'm concerned about that uh, in my flesh, in my sinful flesh, in my desire for your approval as... Contrasted with my desire that you would hear God's word. And my desire this morning is that you would hear the word of the Lord, that you would hear a verse that is often cliched, and I believe often profoundly misunderstood, that you would hear the message that God has for us. Our series that we're going through is called Grounded, and what we're trying to do is lay solid foundation stones that will be a foundation upon which we can build our lives for Christ. And so we've gone through a number of verses thus far. Today we come to perhaps what may be one of the most familiar verses. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That is an amazing promise. What are you afraid of today? Today? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of financial calamity in your own life? Are you afraid of being found out? Are you afraid of your secrets emerging? Are you afraid of your children and your lack of parenting skills? Are you afraid of a medical diagnosis? Are you afraid of losing your job? Afraid of how you might provide for your family? Are you afraid of your car breaking down? I have that happen to me pretty regularly. Are you afraid of singleness? Are you afraid of your parents' marriage breaking up? Are you afraid of getting to college? That was one of my big fears. I knew I could get there. I didn't know if I could make it, though. Are you afraid of the stock market collapsing and leaving you destitute? Are you afraid of a lack of security? What are you afraid of? Because I believe this with all my heart. If in Scripture the most frequently repeated command is do not be afraid, then you and I have a natural tendency to fear. And it will haunt you until you actively take up the shield of faith and consume the fiery darts of the devil. Who wants you to be afraid? You ever had somebody say to you, oh, such and such happened to me and I was scared? What's the next word? Stiff or to death. To death means somewhat immobilized, right? Scared stiff means just frozen. That's what, that's what prey does to, or what, what, what a pursuer does to its prey. A loud shriek, a loud roar, and what? Freeze completely incapacitated. And that's what fear does to us as Christians. The question that we really need to ask ourselves is okay. So if fear is so common, how do, I, how do I in the power of the Spirit of God find victory over the things that I am so profoundly afraid of? And I, I want to suggest to you this morning, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if you don't know this verse, part of me wants to say, shame on you. And the other part of me wants to say, if you don't know it, memorize this text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll make your path straight. That is an awesome promise that you can build your life upon. In this text, we find three things. We find a command, a prohibition, and a promise. I just want to work through the text from those three perspectives. Let's first look at this idea of the command that is central. There are other things in it, but the central command of the text is very evident. Trust in the Lord. Okay, so let's unpack this thought for a second. What is trust? What is trust? I think yesterday at the wedding, Ryan Duvenack and Ellen Hoyt expressed trust in one another. They made lifelong Categoric commitments that would not be made unless there was some degree of trust in the character, in the intentions of the other person in the wedding. What is trust? Trust, I think, we, in this text, we can boil it down to a couple of things. Obviously, if God says, do this, then I have a choice to make, right? Will I trust God? I'm afraid of this. I just wanted to do this real quick. But I'm afraid of that happening inadvertently. You look angry, Noel. I apologize. I've never touched a heart before, so trust me. Okay? It's it's done. Trust is a choice. There's a command that leads to a response, which means that a lack of trust, being captive to fear, is sin against God. It de-God's God. It belittles God. It makes God appear inadequate. What does God call us to do? Trust me. Trust me, trust first is a choice. It's a response to the presence of God. It is also active. This is not resignation. This isn't me sitting back in my easy chair saying, you know what, I just can't handle it. So I'm going to sit back and let God. The let go and let God thing, quite frankly, is not biblical. It's popular, it's well known. It's not biblical. The Bible never recommends that you stand back and do absolutely nothing. And when God does call you to stand, that standing is a testimony to the power of God. Okay, so it's not I sit back in an easy chair and I just okay, God, I can't do any more. Okay, it's not the last resort; it is the first resort. How many of you have ever found yourself in circumstances where you're, you're pursuing a resolution, a solution to a problem, a struggle, and all of a sudden say to a friend, "You know," and then I finally I decided to pray. What are we thinking? Prayer should be the first thing that we do. It is the evidence of trust. And it is an active pursuit. It is not trusting in faith. It is an active trust. And here's the verse that came to mind to me this morning when I was in the prayer group with the folks that are coming early to pray. And I hope more of you step up and pray. Come early and pray. Seek God's face. If you believe that our trust should be in Him. This is the thought that came to mind. Ephesians chapter 6, in the putting on the armor of God, preparing for battle that makes you afraid. When the word trust emerges in the armor, what's it called? It's called faith, isn't it? And in the middle of it, you're said, and take up the shield of faith, which is what? Is an active response to the presence and power of God in your life. It's not passive resignation. It's not sitting back. It's a choice to take up. A decision that God is able to do more than we could ask or think. And with that shield, what do you do? You devour the fiery darts of the evil one that are sent into your life to cause fear and to immobilize you so that God looks small. This text gives you a very different solution to your fears. It says that God is not the last resort. It says that God is to be presently and regularly our daily first call when we face trials and troubles. And this trust is a choice to actively and wholeheartedly depend on the Lord. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with what? All of your heart. Okay, it is a complete surrender. It's not like, you know, I gave this a try and then I gave this a try and now I'm going to give God a try. That, quite frankly, is not the kind of trust that the Bible is talking about. God's talking about wholehearted trust. To a few people in my life, I have said, "I love you with all my heart." I don't say that to the person at the window at Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, I've never said that to a waitress at a restaurant. Okay, I'd say it to my wife. I'd say it to my kids. Why? What does it mean? I am, I am holy. That's what we mean when we say, "Right, forsaking all others, I commit myself to you alone." Okay, it's, it's what we say to God. That God, I trust you. Completely. What's your heart? Your heart is the essence of your being. It's this it's it's the uh, is the CPU the right word? The, in the computer? Am I saying that right? Right? The CPU. It, it's it's the it's the internal drive. It's it's who you are. Folks, understand this. This is not who you are. So a print writer after the service comes up and smacks me on the back and says, Hey, you hit me. He's gonna say, No, I didn't. That's not you, that's your body. Okay? God doesn't want you to trust you with your physical body, he wants you to trust him with your heart with your internal being to say, God, all that I am, I give to you. I trust you wholeheartedly in that kind of a way. So the first thought is this. There is a command to trust God with all your heart. And I think as I went through this, I thought of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I thought of Jesus wrestling with the will of God when it called for more than he wanted to give and when it induced fear in the Son of God. The Bible says this, the disciples looked at Jesus, and Mark says he was terrified. Think about that. Jesus took on flesh and was terrified by the consequences of my sin and yours. And what did he do? He went into the garden and was honest with God. He didn't cover it up. He said, Father, if there is any way, let this cup pass. That was confession. This is trust. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. Jesus could say to his disciples, I have come to do my father's will. That's why I'm here. Was he afraid in the doing of his father's will? The answer from scripture is absolutely and utterly yes. So that Luke 22 says, father dispatched to him angelic messengers and help to get him through physically the fulfillment of his father's will. That's trust. A wholehearted commitment to say, God, give me the strength to obey you in any and all circumstances. I am yours. I am fully in. I am all in. That's what trust is. It is before it's anything. It is a command. And We need to sit back and say, is my trust in God something? Okay, because we live in a world that talks about faith. You oh, know, if you have faith, that's a good thing. I'm glad you have faith. That's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible is talking about an active, consistent trust in the goodness of God in the face of circumstances that make utterly no sense to me whatsoever and that cause me to fear. God says, I want you to trust me with everything. Don't hold anything back. Give me your entire life. That's first. The command. I took a water rescue, a lifeguarding class, when I was, I think, a sophomore in college. One of the things that they taught you in that, and they they scared you with this kind of like a tactic they used, they put you in the water and said, okay, go rescue that person that's waving their arms. And then the person that was waving their arms enveloped you. Now, you're the rescuer, and all of a sudden, what's wrong? Okay? You're in trouble. So here's what they were teaching us: never approach someone who thinks they can do it on their own. Don't rescue a victim who thinks that they can stay afloat. Wait till they are truly incapacitated and really trusting before you move into help. And my observation from Scripture is that is exactly what God does to us. When you cry out to God with a response to the command, trust me. And you say, God, I trust you. God moves into your life in a way that exalts him and humbles you, doesn't humiliate you, but it humbles you and causes you when you sing, to sing with gratitude and joy. Why? God has rescued me. Carmel, I appreciate your words this morning. We're broken people. And we come to him with that kind of abandoned, full, wholehearted, robust trust. What happens? He moves in your direction. He says, draw near to me, and what will I do? I will draw near to you. You don't draw near to God when you're in pride, in self-sufficiency, and you're okay, and you got all the bases in your life covered. You won't draw near to God. You'll draw near to Him when you know that, you know what, I'm a broken man, I'm a broken woman, I'm a broken young person, I need the help of God. So there's first this command, and, and the response is this, save me, help me, rescue me, assist me, enable me that comes out of a complete sense of humble emptiness before God. So the key to this command in response is full surrender. Second thing you see in the text is a prohibition. Trust in the Lord wholeheartedly and lean not, do not lean on your own understanding. I found this completely fascinating because this also confronts a natural tendency, doesn't it? I've got it worked out. I see a way through from a human perspective and I'm gonna do it. This text says, do not lean upon, don't depend upon. Why does God say that? Why does he say, don't lean upon your own understanding? Okay, is it because you're not intelligent? No, for me it might be. Okay, but for most of you it's probably not because you can't think. What is God saying here? He says, "Don't, don't think about it in that kind of a way. That puts God into the margins of your life. Make sure God is part of the main text in your life. Not the stuff in the margins. The reason he tells me not to lean on my own understanding is because my perspective is limited. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, just look at today. Why? Because you can't handle tomorrow. If you knew what was coming, you would be immobilized. And you wouldn't even be able to get out of bed. So what is he saying? Trust me with today. And trust me with tomorrow. Okay, it's, it's, don't lean on your understanding. Don't, don't, don't let your first response to trouble be, I got to figure this out. I'm a fixer. Okay, I'm a doer. That's what I like. What is God saying? He's saying, Tim, would you back off? Would you relax? And let me begin to work and I will use you as a surrendered instrument to be part of this situation or part of the solution to this situation. Our tendency is to want to jump in and fix This text says, don't trust yourself. Have an implicit distrust that causes you to depend utterly and completely upon the wisdom and knowledge of God. Instead, he says, in all your ways. And ways here is just your daily life. It's the the normal course of events that you and I face. Getting up and getting in the car and stopping at the store and getting coffee or whatever it is that you get. And going to work and interacting with people along the way. Trust in the Lord. So that it's not about Christians who get up and have quiet time. I met with God. I prayed with God. And now I'm going to go out and live for God. What's this text saying? Oh, don't do that. It's saying go out and live with God. I meet with him. Beg him for wisdom. Beg him for knowledge. But then when you go, go with God. Okay, that's why the Bible in certain cases says, go and God be with you. Folks, I can't live the Christian life. I don't have the intellectual capacity to get it right, to discern it all. Apart from the Spirit of God, I am a complete failure. In terms of honoring and pleasing God, I need to trust Him. I need to respond to the command. I need to honor the prohibition that says, do not trust yourself. Don't lean on your own understanding. The picture that comes to my mind is is the picture of parenting. I teach parents this. When you're training your child what it is to respond to God-given authority, Okay, meaning you as their parent. And quite frankly, I think that most parents don't see themselves as the God given authority in their child's life. But God gives children to parents so that children can so the parents yeah, can teach parents. That happens. So the parents can teach children what it is to respond to authority. What's the response to authority? Do what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right attitude. Okay, that was the, the simple formula in our house. I don't care if you did what you're told to do. If you launched all your toys into the toy box, you didn't obey. And if you didn't do it right away, you didn't do what you were told to do. And that directive came from your parent who was given to you as a God-given representative until you're old enough to move out and be under him. Don't lean on your understanding. We're the children of God, folks. We're adopted and are to be guided by his righteous and powerful hand. And in light of that, what is he saying? Don't don't trust yourself. Trust in the Lord actively, wholeheartedly. Seek his guidance. It's similar to what happens in an athletic event when the coach is on the quarter of the mat in a wrestling match or he's along the, the sideline on the soccer field and sometimes on the field, but supposed to be on the sideline. And what do they do? They're yelling out orders. And what is the team supposed to do when the coach yells? They're supposed to acknowledge what he's saying, okay? And what's the see what he says to do and say, I don't like that. I'm going to do this instead. Okay, no, you're ejected from the game. What is God saying? When you're on the field of life, I am your coach. I am your guide. And I yell out to you things that will help you. Why? Because I have a broader perspective than you have. All right? I see the entire picture, video, movie of your life. Trust me, you can't see tomorrow. You, tomorrow, Jesus said, has enough trouble for itself. It would... It would fry your brain if you knew what was coming. You would not be able to handle it. So trust me. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. What is trust? Trust is saying yes to God. Verse 7 of this text goes on to say, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Context. Context. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I don't know anybody that doesn't want that. Health to their body. What is it? He's saying he will strengthen you from the inside out. He will sustain you. So don't try it alone. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will overflow with new wine. What is that? That's a directive to be generous in response to the provision of God in your life. And I believe a proportionate way on a regular basis. Why don't we do that? Why do we cling to our stuff as if it is ours? Why do we struggle with giving God the first fruits? You know why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid that if we give up the tithe, if we give up the gift, if we give up the offering, what's going to happen? I'm not going to have enough. You know what God says? Then you don't trust me. Then you don't trust me. And I shouldn't expect the blessing of God to flow unless I'm responding to him in wholehearted trust in every area of my life. It's fascinating to me that in this text, he picks up two areas. Wisdom, which comes from God. The book of Proverbs is all about that. Pursue wisdom. It is life itself. And in this context, be generous. And let that generosity be a means of saying, God, I trust you. Our money says the right thing, right? And all of you as Christians, right-wing Christians, we would be angry if they took, in God, we trust off the money while we're trusting the money. Okay? Let's be honest. That's why most of us aren't generous to people. Why? Because we're afraid. Well, we'll be happy. We'll have enough. Well, what about tomorrow? What What if? What if? What if? Trust God. Trust God. That's what he says to us. Trust as a young adult following God's standards for sexual purity in the face of ridicule and pressure when it doesn't look wise and it doesn't make you popular. It is a teen saying no to temptation Uh, to the temptation to crave and to pursue acceptance and fun because of a greater promise from God. Trust is a parent holding to their convictions while raising a difficult child or teen and not caving in. It is a married couple determining to honor God from the first fruits, knowing that God will meet our need. It may be a mom who hangs in there to love a difficult mate for the sake of her children and the glory of God. And maybe you go into work on Monday and saying, I can't do that anymore. It may cost you your job to stand up and be a person of integrity. And you know what God says? God says, trust me. Psalm 37:4 says the same thing. Doug spoke on this earlier. I want you to see how these verses tie together. Delight yourself in the Lord, an act of faith, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know where we hang on to stuff? Because of what we're looking for and hoping for through it. What does God say? God says, hey, delight in me. Seek after me. Don't trust yourself. Have an implicit distrust for yourself. And with abandon, trust me wholeheartedly. And watch what I will do in your life. Trust is doing what is right. And leaving the results with God. That's the phrase my pastor taught me over and over and over again. It's doing what's right. It's disregarding my assessment and saying, God, I'm with you. And I'm going to trust you to honor your promises. But well, then the last question is this. And you might have this. So why should I trust in the Lord? Why him and not me? Well, at one level, you have a limited understanding. You don't see the whole picture. I'd rather trust the person that, sees, that has insider information. That's why I want to trust. But here's the real reason. There's a promise in this text. It says, in all your ways, every step of your life, acknowledge him. Look to him for direction in the areas of morality and whatever it might be in your life. Look to God and say, God, what do I do here? What do I do here? And he says, when you do that, I will make your path straight. And the idea here is this. I will cut down the trees. I will remove the obstructions so you can walk freely so that you can run without fear of twisting an ankle spiritually or ripping up your knee spiritually. He clears away so you can run. And here's the way Christian living often is, and I probably said this to you along the way. Sometimes you feel like you're heading into a forest at like 55 miles an hour, and you're, what do you have when you're doing that? You have fear. You have fear. You know why? You want to see the highway. You don't want to trust <laughs> Like, come on, give me the whole picture. i be honest with you. I don't want the whole picture. I've been through enough stuff in recent weeks. I don't want to see the whole picture. I can't handle the whole picture. But I serve a God who's big enough to handle it. And when I remember that, what do I do? I trust him. I trust him. I lean on him. I listen to him. And when I ignore him, there is folly and disgust and ruin and destruction in my life. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge me. I I will make a highway for you. So what is life like? Life is like driving a car 55 miles an hour into a forest. And you feel crazy. Right? Marie, maybe you feel a little crazy. Get ready to go to Cambodia. Right? How's this all going to come together? Where's the money going to come from? What about this? What about that? What if Mr. Perfect shows up at the chapel while you're away? That's what I thought about. (laughs) Just saying, okay? So what do you feel? You feel I'm going to the woods. I I can't see the next step. I don't see it. There's trees. What does God say? Look in the rearview mirror. Isn't that what he says? And what do you see? You see the thing that makes you say, oh. Oh. And God just whispers in your ear again, trust me. Put your foot on the accelerator. Don't doubt. Don't fear. Don't let people intimidate you. And when the evil one throws the the darts of fear and doubt and disgust and sin into your heart, put up the shield of faith. Actively choose to trust God with all your heart. And he will make your path straight. The truth is this. Many Christians do not have the joy of looking in the mirror. Because they've never put their foot on the accelerator because they're afraid. And fear immobilizes. Fear causes you to put the car of your life in park. Turn off the key. God wants you to put in the key of faith. He wants you to start the engine. And on the power of the Spirit of God, He wants you to run. He wants you to ride. For His glory. Because when someone says, Hey Marie, what are you thinking? And Marie's going to say, I'm just doing what I believe God wants me to do. And I'm okay with that. That's what it takes. It's what it takes for a parent to confront a child that's in rebellion. It's what it takes for a mate to confront another mate and say, hey, we got things we need to work on. It's what it takes for a Christian woman or man to go into the workplace and say, you know what, I used to do that for you. I refuse to do that because it's wrong. I can't be part of that. It's a nurse working in the hospital saying, you know what, that prescription, I refuse to give. And if that costs me my job, then so be it. I'm going to trust God. Okay, folks, this is exceedingly practical. And it will shock you out of complacency and apathy because you're going to say, when I trust God, I become bold. Why? Because he can do things I can't do, which means that through me, he can accomplish things that I fear failure in. But in that place too recently, like, I don't know what to do in this situation. What is God's whisper? Through friends, often, trust me, I will pray for you. They say, "Okay, that helps," and they encourage me to what? Embolden trust in God, and cling to Him. The motive or the promise of this text, the command, the prohibition, the promise is this: Trust God because He's worthy of your trust. Praise God because He's worthy of your praise. Okay, something funny happens in my life. More with my two daughters that are now at home. When their car breaks down, what do they call? They have AAA cards. Okay. Who do they call? They don't do AAA. They do DAD. Okay? You know why they do that? Not because I'm a perfect dad, please. They do it because they trust me. They may be eight hours away, but you know what? They trust me. Is God worthy of your trust? Wholehearted devotion? Full surrender? Have you found him trustworthy? In the storm? In the fire? Has he ever let go? Is he stronger than the trouble that you face? He says to you and I, trust me. In the midst of your latest difficult set of circumstances, here's what God is saying. You have big problems. And I have plans. God's saying, whoa, that's probably blown you away. But watch, trust me, and watch what I will do stand for truth do the right thing and watch what I will do with that problem when I unleash on that problem my sovereign plan which Jeremiah 29 11 says I know the plans I have for you it doesn't say says the Lord okay it says declares the Lord I know The plans I have for you. And he goes on to say plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The things that you're trying to secure. What is God saying? Let go. Let go of that. And trust me. Trust me. Walk with me. Hold my hand. In the same way that my daughters call. They know people that are better mechanics. They have Dave Rader's phone number in their phone. He can fix things that I can't even describe to you. But they call me. Not because they don't like Dave Rader. But they trust me. Not that they don't trust him. <laughs> this is a dangerous path. So like pray right now. But I'm their dad. It's it's the relationship. That's it. They've never called him and asked for money. They call me. They just take it actually out of the place that it's hidden. I almost gave that away. Better get home fast, honey, after church. <laughs> so this song I will read to you, and I, I I hope that you will go out here saying today. God has given me a command to trust him. He's given me a prohibition to stop doing what I've probably been doing, and he's given me a reason for doing it, a promise. I'll make your path straight. All things work out for our good. Though sometimes we don't see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two, sometimes blind us to the truth. Our father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows to him and you just don't see him, remember, you are never alone. He sees the master plan. Okay, he's in the helicopter, I'm in the car. Okay, he sees the master plan and he holds your future in his hand. So don't live as those who have no hope, belittling and degrading God. All our hope is found in him. We see the present clearly, but he sees the first and the last. And like a tapestry, he's weaving you and me so that someday we will be just like him. God is too wise to be mistaken. He's never made a decision in your life and said, Oh, shouldn't have done that. Ever. He is too good to be unkind, to so ignore the call. Done that with my daughters. I'm too busy. Ignore the call. And then find out, Oh, I really should have answered that call. God has never, He, he is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand it, and when you don't see His plan, when you can't trace His hand and see what He's doing, trust His heart. The Lord is good. He is a shelter to those who trust in him, who trust in him. The first step of trust is this. God, I am a sinner. Who deserves the wrath of of you that you put on your son. That is my wrath. You tell me that if I trust you and confess my sin, you will forgive me. I do that today. I believe That Jesus died to pay the price for my sin. And I want to come into a relationship with him. That's the first step in the journey. The rest of your life is many steps. Some for years. Some for weeks. Some for decades. Trusting. Honoring. Seeking. And glorifying God. The call from Jesus is this. Take up your cross. And come. And follow me. Whether you and I are doing that today. Depends on whether we trust him. Do you trust him? He rose and conquered the grave to say, look at that. Look at that. It is the centerpiece of the New Testament. And he says to you and I, I bore your sin on the cross. I rose again on the third day. Look at that. He left for his disciples an empty tomb with people inside to say, what are you doing here? He is not here. He has risen. He is able to conquer your greatest fear. Will you trust Him? Father, for Your Word this morning, thank You.